Hello, I'm Audrey Fister, and I'm a junior at Arlington High. And my name is Kavya Thomas, and I am a senior at Beaumont High, and we are both a part of the Church's Youth Group. This February break, six kids and three adults from youth group went on a service trip to Panama. We work with SHI, Sustainable Harvest International, a nonprofit that teaches sustainable farming to alleviate both rural poverty and climate change. We worked on rural farms in the central region of Pananome, about a three-hour drive from Panama City. We visited four farms in three days. First, we visited the Rodriguez family, where we dug terraces with pickaxes and planted cucumbers and other vegetables. Every day, the families prepared lunch for us. A typical meal consisted of grilled fish, pickled vegetables, rice, watermelon, and my favorite, purple guava. In my opinion, the best food we had in Panama was at the farms, much better than the restaurants. After lunch, we prepared tree nurseries by filling 100 plastic bags with a special soil mixture. Every farm we visited had a different activity planned for us. At the second farm, we helped the Hernandez family plant coffee seedlings. This was probably our most difficult task, as it was hard work digging deep into the soil. In truth, we weren't very efficient, so after a while, the SHI staff and farmers took over for us. At the third farm, we built a rice paddy for the Valdez family, and at the fourth farm, we planted spinach and cucumbers for the Martinez family. Working on these farms was physically demanding, especially in 90 degree weather. It was also challenging to learn new activities every day, but it was extremely rewarding because I knew that I was helping these families. Not only did we take on some significant projects while we were there, beyond what a typical farmer does on the day, but we also showed our support with our mere physical presence. They were very grateful that we were there. I grew very fond of our translator, Roxana. Her parents' farm went through the program over a decade ago, and now she works for SHI. I think that's great. In the Panama communities, the SHI trainers teach farmers why they shouldn't do traditional slash and bird agriculture. Although it's a quick and easy way to clear the field, it also results in significant soil erosion and accompanying landslides, water contamination, and dust clouds. The field trainers teach the farmers new ways of preserving the soil, such as mixing ash and manure to make fertilizer. And from slash and burn, these communities have adopted agroforestry techniques where they plant vegetables and various crops among trees within the forest and among each other to preserve the soil because different plants require different nutrients and the crops are planted strategically so that they act as natural pesticides for each other. And some memorable moments. I noticed that when we visited the farms, it wasn't just the family showing us how to do the farm work, but also people from nearby farms that came to work. It's hard to tell who the children's parents are because they all take care of each other and they're, they lend a helping hand. It's one big family that supports each other. On the second day, when we were at the Hernandez family's farm, as Audrey said, we planted coffee. And to do so, we had to dig a hole in the ground about a foot deep. One hour in, and the youth group had maybe planted 10 coffee plants, and the goal was 100. As much as we, want, as much as we wanted to do the sweaty, exhausting work, the farmer slowly stepped in, and we stuck to, the, stuck to planting the coffee. And before we knew it, 100 coffee plants were in the ground. They made it look so easy, and that just goes to show how long they've been doing this, because I can assure you that was maybe one of the hardest things I've done, and I think most of the youth group would agree, and it just shows how efficient they've become. 
Lastly, on the third day at Demetrio's farm, I remember walking through each terrace as he explained what was being planted and pointed out strawberries. Flo was shocked to see that. She said in her years in Panama, she had never seen strawberries being planted and no idea, had no idea how he did it. His farm had been transformed 10 years out of the program and it was so cool to see the family continue with sustainable techniques, techniques even experimenting with new crops. Their, family, their farm was so vast and abundant and you wouldn't think that just 15 years ago the land was dry and polluted. I was incredibly impressed with SHI. Their field trainers were amazing. I'd work with them again in a heartbeat. It doesn't cost that much to send a family through the program, only $4,000, $5,000. That's what it costs to completely transform their lives for the better. I would love it if our church could raise enough funds to send a family through the program. And maybe in future years, the youth group can partner with SHI again and go to their other locations in Belize and Honduras. Thank you. Good morning. My name's Eva Patelis, and uh, I'm one of the youth mentors, and I was one of the, uh, the three adults that went on the, the Panama trip. And I um, just wanted to tell you a little bit about some reflections. So one of the reasons I wanted to be a youth group mentor was that I wanted the experience of going with the youth on a service learning trip. It took three years for that to happen, but going to Panama was worth it. The experience of traveling with Kavya, Audrey, Devin, Etienne, Dakota, and Florian, and seeing them take in and adjust to a new culture was wonderful and a lot of fun. They were enthusiastic and willing to work hard, get blisters and sunburns while working in the fields. Rianne did an incredible job organizing the trip and keeping everyone in line, including Brian and I, with humor and a loving, guiding hand. We received a lovely compliment from Osvaldo, our who was our main bus driver when we were in Penomene. He said that we were the most organized group he has ever worked with. <laughs> the highlight of the trip for me was traveling with Flo and Kate and peppering them with questions. Flo, or Florence Reed, founded Sustainable Harvest International in 1997 and is currently the director of strategic growth. Kate Herndon joined SHI three years ago after years with Heifer International she became their director of development just as the pandemic began. This trip was the first that SHI had hosted since the pandemic. Before that, they were hosting around seven a year, and these are a big part of their outreach and fundraising. So they were very interested in traveling with us and seeing how things went. We visited four farms in various stages of the SHI program, which Audrey and Kavya very nicely described. Their program consists of five phases over several years, currently around four years. These can be roughly described as planning, training, implementation, business development, and community leadership. It costs about $1,000 to support a year of training for each family, and the training is all done by local field trainers. The full multi-year program costs about $4,000 for a family, and most of this comes from donations. The techniques used subscribe to the principles of regenerative agriculture, which include minimizing soil disturbance, maximizing crop diversity, keeping soil covered, such as with agroforestry, maintaining living root year-round, and integrating livestock. These methods, along with having planted more than four million trees, 
help restore degraded lands, which, have, which has a significant impact on the climate, especially if this could be extended to the 500 million smallholder farmers around the world. Yes, SHI has plan, big plans for scaling up. After learning about a lot of this from Flo and Kate, it was a real treat for all of us, and especially them, to visit the farm of Demetrio Martinez, who graduated from the SHI program 10 years ago. Like 91% of farmers who go through the program, he was still practicing sustainable agriculture and agroforestry, and had become a leader in the community. It was, it was really breathtaking to see this once degraded land with many trees, terraces supporting kitchen gardens, and many crops including sugarcane fields and rice paddies. Farmers are able to work near their homes and families and build strong and self-supporting communities. The land can be sustained for generations and have positive impacts on families such as that of our translator Roxana, who, uh, who Audrey mentioned, who is now studying agroforestry at university. I hope you will take a look at the SHI's website at sustainableharvest.org and consider supporting their work, which benefits low-income families and the environment. I also invite you to join us after this service to see the slideshow from our trip and ask any questions. Thank you. I am so grateful uh, for Rayanne and Brian and Eva, everybody, all the youth that went on this trip. And just wanted to add two quick ideas and then lots of meaningful craft projects that we're going to get to <laughs> in just a moment. Uh, the first is this idea of seven generations. As many of you know, uh, many Native indigenous communities have embraced and articulated this idea that the values and the choices we make are informed by the effects they will have seven generations off into the future. And this was first articulated in the 1100s by the Haudenosaunee tribe as they were creating their Articles of Confederacy, which I'm pretty sure is uh, what white people called it later. <laughs> but technically, they gathered to articulate the grounding values which would hold them as a community. And that was the first time that it was officially recorded, this idea that somehow our choices now we make with the intention and the awareness of how they will affect seven generations off into the future. And the reason that I mention this now is not just because of the incredible work of Sustainable Harvest International, and the incredible opportunity we had to partner with them that we continue to have to partner with them. Stay tuned. Ran is hard at work on some more opportunities for us to have more trips, more engagement over the course of time to support their incredible work. But this is also part of our intention around the 40 for the Earth campaign, which is beginning now. And this is the first of two very important pieces of paper we're about to talk about. The ushers in the back and out at one of the tables uh, in the coffee hour have many, many, many little pieces of paper. And as you've probably heard over the course of the last many weeks, today is the kickoff. And for 40 days from now until Earth Day, 
which is coming not so far away, which is wild, uh, April 24th, I believe. Um, we invite everyone to take up one or two practices for the earth, and you can write down what you're going to do on these little leaves, and we'll post them in the upper gathering hall. Members of our FCB Green team uh, will be at the table with a list of possible climate justice actions that you could take. Um, but really, anything you want to do, and again, this is grounded in this idea that we're not just automatically consuming the good blessings of this earth, but we are trying to think of how we will be and the consequences of our actions off into the future. Seven generations, even two. Like, let's start slowly. Even think two. But grounded as we are, not just in the future, but as we said in the story before, holding our ancestry, holding the past as well. Particularly wanted to lift up the story inside of Coco, which some of you might not have seen, some of you have. <laughs> it's an animated uh, movie in which you travel to the underworld, and there's the beautiful thing that happens. People exist in the underworld until the last person who remembers them has died. And so we're held also in memory by all of these ancestors, I think, in particular of my grandmother, my great-grandmother, Celia, who is especially appropriate to tell you about here today in a church because she was one of these hardcore matriarchs of a Methodist church, which she had large conflict with and theological questions about. But even better than the church that she helped create, and there's even a little plaque about her in the church, which is... Um, not many people get plaques in churches. But even better than that was the Bible that she taught my grandfather and his brothers out of. And it's one of our most prized possessions in the family because she's written in it. Inconsistencies, questions. This is pre-internet, everyone. <laughs> These are inconsistencies she found by herself because of her reading of the scripture. And not stuff that she was taught by the rather, you know, mainline Methodist church she was raised in, but those questions, and that's what she taught my grandfather and that he taught his kids and that, you know, eventually <laughs> we end up here, which is not, I don't know if that's what she had in mind, but. So I hold her memory many, many, many decades since her death. And this brings you to the second meaningful piece of paper that we're inviting you to write down for next week is our major music service, and it's a requiem. It's a beautiful piece, and we're inviting everybody to write somebody in your past, one of your ancestors, someone you love, who you're thinking of, and what they taught you, what they gifted you with. As we said in the story, we are here in this moment held accountable by all those who will come after us and held in memory by all those who have shaped us and taught us. And it's a beautiful, powerful place to be. I want to close with these words by Karen Herring, an echo from a couple weeks ago. Here, where not yet do you know where you are headed, what it will take, what it will give you, 
how it will change you. Here on the threshold, you balance on a comma between the no longer and the not yet. Now, look around you at the others waiting with you on the curl of the comma. You will need them. They will need you. Together, we will round this bend, cross over onto the not yet, where, having let go, we may finally learn a new way is possible here, now. Amen.